passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock here with your post-daily news show for Thursday, June the 16th, alongside WrestleNomics' own Brandon Thurston, who is joining me today. Uh, Waiting is not here today, but we'll be back uh, later on. He has both the wellness policy coming up at 3 Eastern today and then MCU later. So a very busy man, and uh, we cap people at two shows per day here at Post Wrestling. Uh, but uh, joining me is uh, Mr. Thurston. And Brandon, first of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. It's been a busy last 24 hours or so uh, that, since somebody DM'd me and said, do you have the article? I'm like, what article are you talking about? Oh my God! There's this huge story from the Wall Street Journal that just came out uh, around four o'clock yesterday. That is that is right, and that's uh, I I believe I I hit uh, publish on my news update, and within thirty seconds uh, this thing drops, and it was uh, oh boy uh, yeah. a big one, obviously that we are going to be getting into, and uh, we will be taking uh, your super chats if you want to throw in uh, any questions, uh, the ones of which we are capable of answering uh, this story, obviously millions uh, of questions uh, coming up and we'll do our best to kind of recap things for people that are maybe just uh, learning of this story and trying to figure out the details, what all of this uh, could mean, which is going to be very open-ended. But uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, did put out a pretty explosive report on Wednesday, late afternoon, early evening. And the key details are that the board of directors of WWE are investigating a January 2022 settlement involving Vince McMahon and an ex-employee valued at $3 million. Uh, This investigation uh, was prompted after an anonymous email from a friend of this ex-employee was uh, sent out to members of the board back on March the 30th. So the investigation began in April. Um, They are utilizing a firm in New York to conduct the investigation and have learned of other non-disclosure agreements involving former female employees making misconduct claims against McMahon and John Laurinaitis uh, that were pegged in the millions of dollars, but they do not have a specific number of uh, NDAs that may have uh, that may exist. Um, this ex-employee is believed to have uh, entered into a relationship with McMahon during her time there and was hired as a paralegal and then received a raise from one hundred to two hundred thousand dollars. And the preliminary findings are that McMahon used personal funds to pay uh, these former employees. And Jerry McDivitt, who is uh, McMahon's legal representative with K&L Gates, uh, sent a letter to the Wall Street Journal stating that the WWE didn't pay any monies on her departure 
and referring to the employee alleged to have the relationship with McMahon as uh, one where there were no allegations of harassment from the ex-employee towards McMahon. Um, all uh, th- that's just uh, kind of the the the, the broad uh, bullet points, Brandon, and it's a lot to digest immediately. And we've ha- we've at least had some time now to digest the story and look at it from all angles. What would you say are your biggest questions uh, as we are um, on, I would say, day two of the, the story and the steps that are to follow? What's kind of jumping out at you as the, key, as the key points? What I'm trying to understand and what I don't have a great answer for is just what are the limits of the board director's power here? Uh, as I tried to point out last night and on Twitter to people, Vince McMahon Although he controls about 36% of the stock, so he doesn't control the majority of the shares, he controls the majority of the voting power. So for all intents and purposes, he, he controls this company. He has the majority of the power because he has a preferred class of shares that makes each one of his shares count times more than anybody else's shares. So Vince controls the company. He's the CEO. He's the chairman of the board, although there are eight independent members of the board of directors who are apparently uh, behind this investigation. So it's just not clear to me what the limits of their oversight uh, are in a situation like this, where you have a, a chairman, a CEO who is part of this, who's a subject of this investigation, and uh, he controls the company. You can't really outvote him. So, I, well, what's going to be the outcome of of this investigation? Let's say you know, and if they find a lot of wrongdoing, and they think that Vince should resign. What's to force him to resign? And mm-hmm. what are the incentives that the board would even have for doing so unless they knew Vince was going to cooperate and go, and go forward with resigning or with selling the company or whatever uh, it might be? Or are they just going to find that, you know, actually everything's okay here and it's not that big of a deal and to try to sort of, I don't know, m- make it look like they did the right thing. Um, but, you know, this could be the beginning, beginning of something very big or, or not. Um, I, I do have the sense just you know, sort of thinking this morning about the last five years or so that I've been uh, following and covering the wrestling business, especially the business side of, of, of the wrestling business. And I maybe, you know, Barrios and Wilson leaving in January 2020 is up there, but this might be the beginning of the biggest story that I've ever covered. Um, if, especially if it turns out that there's, you know, if Vince McMahon is no longer in the position that he's currently in at the end of this. Um, so that's, those are my biggest questions right now. Yeah, I, I think we have kind of looked at, you know, studying the, the history of Vince McMahon and scandals that have come this company's way that there just seems to be a certain level uh, of Teflon that Vince McMahon has seemingly been able to uh, to have in these situations that you're, you look at it and we just have this belief and, I mean, you've outlined it, like how insulated Vince McMahon is in this role as as chairman of the board and how much uh, how many levels of protection are around him to be uh, ousted, which I, I think people would just are still like, look at that as just could not fathom that happening. But you read this and I just see so many potential alarm bells and the idea of picking up that rock and looking underneath it at the, the history of this company. And if other people could come forward, that there just seems to be many different areas that could explode into catastrophic uh, outcomes and the idea that that nothing comes of this, I, I I certainly am pessimistic on that. It's just it, it's hard to see what is going to be the next shoe to drop, and and it honestly one of the most damaging things of all this could come down simply to a hundred thousand dollars of this raise 
that this ex-employee received and if this was a misappropriation of company funds and all of this other stuff, it all boils down to whether this $100,000 was appropriately allocated. Right. And and I've been looking at the code of conduct. I've, I've tweeted a few screenshots, portions from W's code of conduct, which is on their corporate website. Uh, and, and one of the, the notes that's on it is it's talking about things that uh, all W personnel, which include members of the board of directors, executives, and so forth, uh, aren't allowed to do. And, and one of them uh, says that W personnel are prohibited from the grant or offer of an employment quid pro quo for personal intimacy. Uh, so maybe that's what happened and maybe that's part of what's being investigated here in terms of what the Wall Street Journal reported. One one thing that it reported is that this former paralegal uh, went from having a $100,000 salary to having a $200,000 salary when she began to have an intimate relationship with uh, Vince McMahon. Uh, so that's, and, and I've noticed that that's something that was added to the code of conduct. And I'm going to figure out what the latest version of it that doesn't include that because about it, looking at previous versions of, of the W website, looking at the code of conduct within the corporate website, that portion of the code of conduct was not present until about 2020. Hmm. So that's conspicuous that that would be added relatively recently, uh, to a document that was otherwise pretty similar across time. You have minor changes, but that was one of the changes. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Um, I think it'd be good to, to just point out sort of the, the timeline of some of these recent events here in that what we get from the Wall Street Journal article is that uh, an anonymous email was first received by the board of directors on March 30th. Sometime in April, they started their investigation. Uh, May 19th, Stephanie McMahon announces that she's taking a leave of absence following, uh, beginning the following day, uh, May 19th. Then June 3rd, the Business Insider article comes out saying that uh, Vince removed Stephanie because of performance issues. Fightful and others would dispute that. And then June 12th, that is this Sunday, the board of directors, according to the Wall Street Journal report, received a copy of the settlement agreement between Vince and the former paralegal. Uh, they received it from Vince's lawyer, according to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, so, and then just yesterday, the Wall Street Journal report came out. So, I mean, that leaves a lot of questions about. Here's another big question that I would have: Is did, did Stephanie know? Stephanie's still a member of the board of directors. I've been told, uh, despite taking a leave of absence from being the chief brand officer. So, did Stephanie know about this? It seems quite possible that she did, and maybe that played into why she, uh, according to her tweet, took time to. You know, spend time with their family and to uh, not work day to day uh, with WWE. So I'd go further and, and ask, how could she not have known in in April? Like as a member of the board of directors, like I, that would be really hard for me to imagine she was not aware of this in in April before that um, that that announcement in May of her stepping away. Yeah, and I, I guess you could, you could imagine that you know maybe there's forces in WWE who are a, a, you know whose interests are opposed to Stephanie's who, who may have wanted there to be some publicity saying that, well, she's not really going to t- spend time with her family. It's really because of performance issues. So I, I mean, I have no sense of what the veracity of, of that uh, item in, in the business insider is or not, but you could see how somebody who's, who maybe doesn't want uh, Stephanie to get out of this as cleanly might want to have information out there that, that, you know, says otherwise. Um, just other things that I've noticed is that, Yesterday, W had its highest trade volume in in a, since July fifteenth, twenty twenty one. 
So the most shares changed hands yesterday in, in almost a year. Uh, there was a Morgan Stanley report that came out in the morning raising the price target. And I think that's what's contributing to a lot of the trading. Uh, it is conspicuous, though, that all of that trading happened. Uh, the market closed. And then just after the market closed, this, this report came out. So uh, it, it's, it's reasonable, I think, to, to question whether or not some people knew about this report and knew this news was going to come out. Uh, and that contributed to the trading as well. Uh, Guggenheim has raised their, their price target as well. So, you know, there's some perhaps some optimism about the value of the company now if if W has to sell or is pressured to sell, if Vince is pressured to part with the company as part of the resolution of this investigation. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think there's also a perception in that, like, if he has to sell, if he's pressured to sell it, then there's less leverage because you're getting him to part with something that he has to part with, or he's pressured to part with it, as opposed to before yesterday, as far as we knew, he was he was just Vince who wanted to control the company. Yes, on Wednesday morning, the stock opened at sixty five dollars and eighty three cents, and by uh, several hours later, it had almost grown two dollars uh, in value. And now, with all of this, um, it's virtually identical to its Wednesday open. It's trading at last check here at sixty five dollars and sixty four cents. So that is where. Uh, it's had a really crazy. strong first hour, and then it slid back down mm-hmm. to, the, to the the same degree that the indexes are down today. The W stock, by the way, has been one of the few stocks that's doing really well so far year to date, uh, as opposed to the rest of the market. Yeah, it's been like a pretty consistent climb that that we have seen uh, of late with, with stock. Do you do you read anything more into um, the, the stock? Is there more to the story today that that you glean from, or is it um, s- somewhat just hard to decipher what any of this means this early? There doesn't seem to be anything in the stock activity today that indicates that that the market's taking it one way or the other, just because it's down to the degree that basically the Dow Jones is down today. Um, As as far as looking at the future and how this might play out, some people asked me last night whether, what are the consequences going to be for WWE? Like, is there a way that their their TV deal might be affected or a way that that ads and uh, sponsorships might be affected. Um, and th- something we've talked about in WrestleNomics before is the hierarchy of influence in that, you know, at the very top, there's Vince McMahon. And below that, there are, as far as who can actually influence change in the company, there are their business partners. And their biz- biggest, biggest business partners are NBC Universal, uh, Fox, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and various uh, sponsors, including Snickers, famous for the Snickers Doctrine, for, for yes. getting W to actually change via the name of the fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. So I've, I've asked around and I've talked to some people about, you know, what might, what are some clauses that might have, might come into play here? Uh, we don't know, to be clear. We don't know what those contracts look like. Those contracts between WWE and their business partner and their, their TV partners have never been made public and they're not going to be made public unless they're part of some discovery and some lawsuit that doesn't exist currently. So there might be... Uh, in their TV contract, maybe something in, in the realm of a, of a key person agreement in that it may be a clause in, in a contract such as WB's with its TV partners that if, if Vince McMahon uh, were to die or to be removed uh, from his role in WB, that maybe there is a clause that would be triggered in that event that would cause the parties to revisit their agreement. That's something that's possible. Uh, so we'll see if that plays out. But, um, you know, I, I hear people talk about, you know, the, the speaking out movement and the Me Too movement is something that could get momentum. 
Um, and I, I think back to the uh, the 1992 scandals, and uh, Between the Sheets just is, is in the middle, actually, of doing a, a big review of the 1992 scandals, including you know the Ring Boy scandal and things like that. And, and part of what came out in the, in the process of that was the Rita, Chatter- Rita Chatterton uh, allegations of, of sexual assault for, uh, by Vince McMahon uh, in 1986. So it's uh, if if this is something that gets momentum in terms of being a, a public story, uh, there are stories that could uh, be revisited. And according to the report in the Wall Street Journal, there are additional agreements besides just the one that involves the former paralegal. Uh, there are there are a lot of stories, and there have been you know I think comments made by by Lita about how uncomfortable she felt with the live sex segment uh, back in the mid two thousands. So I think there's no shortage of, of supply of everything from harassment to culture to assault that if people want to come forward and endure the, the publicity and the public scrutiny and the risk to their careers, these are big ifs, if people want to endure that, uh, this could uh, roll into something bigger. Uh, but history has told us, especially when it comes to wrestling, that, that mainstream media doesn't necessarily take these kinds of stories as seriously when it involves professional wrestling, maybe because of the perception that people have about professional wrestling in the first place. Yeah, I, I would certainly uh, echo as well what Brandon said. The uh, Between the Sheets specials, I think, are very important to go back and really contextualize a lot of stories where you may have heard uh, threads of these stories and various pieces of the information, but to have it all gathered together and with the context of this many decades later, uh, looking back on it, I, I think it all does uh, tie in together in a pretty significant way. Uh, and I had never even heard audio from Rita Chatterton until I listened to that just, just a, a week or two ago. I had, I had heard of the Rita Chatterton allegation against Vince McMahon, but I'd never heard uh, the audio or seen the video that, of, of the appearances that she made on television in 1992. And it's, it's a compelling and powerful story. Yeah, I think that's certainly the case of when you read these stories versus actually the video or the, the audio that I think does uh, resonate with people in in, in a different uh, type of way. When, when you are looking at this from the perspective of the board members, I think it's going to be natural of asking the question of how this got from a closed investigation into a mainstream outlet and looking at like the idea of this information coming from a, a board member and and what co- kind of um, penalties even could, could be attached to that of a, of a board of director uh, potentially um, disclosing th- this kind of information. These are questions I don't have an expertise in, uh, but that that's a whole other game of how this um, – there, there are obviously some, some games of power that are going on here, and I think we are seeing them uh, play itself out, whether it be in the Business Insider article and this as well. Like they're – like that, that is certainly from the outside looking in that there are games at play here, major ones. Right. It's it's a good day to listen to the Succession uh, soundtrack if you, if you have access to it. Um, so according to the Wall Street Journal report, they, they're attributing these facts to you according to documents and people familiar with the board inquiry. That could that could mean someone who's a member of the board of directors. Um Board of directors include eight independent members of the board of directors who are not ex- executives in WWE, and it includes a few who are, including Vince, who's the chairman, including Nick Khan, including Stephanie McMahon, including Paul Levesque. Mm-hmm. Those are, because I've been looking over this, I don't have it in front of me, but those are the four executives who are current uh, ex- uh, 
members of the board of directors also. Um, yeah, the, the other eight, I have the list here of uh, Steve Coonan, Ignace Lahoud, Erica Nardini of Barstool, Steve uh, Paymon, Connor Shell, uh, Manjit Singh, Jeffrey Speed, and Alan Wexler would be the eight uh, independent board members. So that is that is like your 12-person uh, board of directors that would be the focus of, of all of this that are uh, carrying the, this through. And I mean, the idea that we are even discussing a possible outcome of Vince McMahon out of power, um, it to me is something that always gets brought up is the idea of the succession plan. And I don't think we have ever looked at the at WWE like this to me is like, like at bare minimum, you're looking at this as like, what is our succession plan in a non Vince McMahon led WWE? And a year ago, I think we would have had a much different uh, outline to sketch than we do now where uh, Paul Levesque has certainly seen a, a diminished role in power where the idea of a, a Stephanie McMahon taking a step away from from her active duties with the company, uh, the situation that, that she is in and what a non Vince McMahon led WWE would look like today. And this might force you to, you know, have a concrete plan for your shareholders that are going to have numerous uh, questions uh, beyond what you and I are asking today. Yeah, I, I think it would ultimately, if, if, if we arrived at a day where Vince was no longer in power at WWE, it would ultimately, I think, be up to the board of directors to appoint a new CEO. I know I, I tend to think that that would end up being Nick Khan, uh, but we'll see. Um, we do have, so the calendar quarter will end on June 30th, so that brings to mind that around the end of July, then, we'll get another earnings report, and, and there'll be questions from analysts, uh, and Vince will have an opportunity to, to comment if, if, he, if he will. So that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, it's, uh, I, it, it just raises a lot of questions about why Stephanie left and what she knew. And, and maybe she, she couldn't have not known what was going on with her father, uh, in, in terms of the investi- investigation with the board of directors. So, uh, you know, Stephanie owns class B shares also. So all of, almost all of her shares count 10 times against everybody else's. Um, it's, it is possible. And then this is how, how Stephanie came to hold class B shares is she got them from Vince and Linda. They gifted them to, to her and to Shane. Shane has since liquidated all of his stocks. He doesn't own any WWE stock anymore, but, uh, it's, it's not impossible that I guess that Stephanie could end up with Vince's class B shares somewhere or another. Uh, but, uh, you know, that a lot of that remains to be seen. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Uh, the obvious um, you know, subject that is going to get raised in all of this is what, if any, impact this has accelerating people's thoughts on a sale of the company what position does this put the company in and at the same time if you are someone that is kicking the tires on acquiring a wwe how essential is vince mcmahon being part of this company and does that scare you off at all like that was a huge part of the ufc sale was maintaining dana white in that that public facing position that dana white needed to come with the acquisition of the ufc i could see that the idea of purchasing a company and Vince McMahon is somehow viewed as toxic or not part of it. Um, that, that greatly changes the dynamic in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always disagreed with this perception that Vince is so essential to the success of the company. Um, 
maybe that's from watching the content to the degree that I do. And then I think Vince is a, a huge negative in terms of being the head of creative. And I can't see things being much worse if someone else was in his place as, as the head of creative. Uh, in terms of corporate strategy, I think he's done a far better job. But also, I think he's, you know, it's not like his abilities are tremendously unique, I think, in, in terms of that. I don't see why uh, Nikon could not navigate the company just as well without Vince. So I I think, you know, I've, I've always believed that the company would be would be better off if he wasn't in power. Um, one of the things that I wrote about last week when I was writing about how I've kind of turned the corner on, on the argument about whether or not WWE would sell in light of uh, Stephanie's leave of absence is that, you know, the, the big question to me would be is does NBC Universal or slash Comcast, which seems like the likeliest acquirer, do they want to oversee a wrestling company in this weird industry that, uh, you know, they don't own anything like a pro wrestling company. Uh, you can point back to history and, and look at like, look at Turner Broadcasting slash Time Warner's uh, oversight of, of WCW. That didn't go so well. I guess you've got Anthem uh, there as, as, a, as a parent to another wrestling company that's on a much smaller scale at this point. But does NBC Universal want to oversee a wrestling company and do they feel like they're, they can do so effectively? And do they just want to add to their brand pro wrestling uh, the, the degree to which it's not perceived as, as highbrow entertainment. And then on top of that, if, if you add that, well, there's the, the reemergence of, of more scandal in the pro wrestling world, uh, specifically surrounding the, the leader of the company, that makes it less attractive, doesn't it? So, yeah, I think it makes it a little bit less attractive. But I don't know. I, I, I had somebody who I trust knows more about the stock market than I do tell me the other day that this is good for the stock because it enhances the perception that there'll be a sale. Uh, I'm not sure, though. Yeah, I I just look at this like this this story can have many different directions. I would say that the most catastrophic for the company and for Vince would be if this opens up the floodgates of story after story after story that it forces uh, your, your partners to just be waving their hands in the air that they do not want uh, that that something needs to be changed here and Vince McMahon is extremely insulated in his position and that's why I am always um somewhat negative to the idea that 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 someone like that can be impacted but we have seen major powerful figures fall in in the last number of years and if this becomes just this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to other people coming forward um seeing you know, figures like this being paid out and they have just kept quiet like this. This could explode in many ways. It could also be that it's like the aspect of the practices within this company are overlooked. And this strictly becomes a was this a a, a gross negligent use of company funds? And that's that's it. Like that becomes the the poison pill in, the, in this entire thing. Like it's just there's so many different directions it can go. And there's also the. The historical one of somehow Vince McMahon navigates his way out, and this is a hot story for a minute, and then something else takes the attention away. But the fact that a Wall Street Journal is on top of this, I think that that gives this um, a lot of credence that there will be uh, follow-up reporting to it as well, that this doesn't just uh, fall, fall apart. And Vince McMahon is going to be like front and center with this and with a trial starting next month that we are 30 minutes into the show and have not brought up. Yeah, and uh, I, I was given the impression by, by one of the, the writers of the Wall Street Journal article that there'll be more reporting, so we'll see. Uh, that we, if, if so, there'll be at least one more mainstream article about this story. Uh, 
but yeah, he's, he's got a trial with, with Oliver Luck coming up. I, I'm seeing, uh, I get notifications almost every day related to that. And then they do seem to be about to go to trial. Uh, we have a, a couple super chats here. One is, uh, so is it a given that John Laurinaitis will be the fall guy in this, or is it bigger than a fall guy? And, uh, yeah, bringing up, we haven't really gone into the, uh, the Sasha Banks stuff, so I'm not going to go into that at, at this point. And does, uh, Paul, Stephanie move on from WWE out of this? Does this affect the view on wrestling products? Okay. So a lot, a lot of, uh, kind of open-ended questions here and ones that, I mean, it's, uh, kind of hard to look at any, uh, definitive conclusions or, Anyone being um, r- removed here like this, this is as much as we focus on Vince McMahon, John Laurinaitis is tied to this as well with uh, the notion of uh, past claims of misconduct against both of them. And that's that's certainly a, a part of the story that uh, jumps out at you when you see claims of misconduct, uh, misconduct yeah, I mean, being alleged. I think really, really what what determines what happens from here is what the board finds, what of what they find becomes public and to what extent the mainstream media takes this seriously and, and really covers it and gives it a lot of scrutiny. Uh, if there's never another mainstream article about this, then it doesn't trickle down in all likelihood to uh, causing trouble with their important business partners. And then the pressure will be for this. Um, but we'll see. I, I think you have, have hit it. I think the Snickers doctrine is the, the one I look at here is that ultimately this comes down to uh, pressure for a Vince McMahon to resign. And I think that is going to take an, un- I, I, I cannot even believe like the, the pressure it would take. Like this is a company that has really, when it comes to controversies and, and, and this is at a different level that dig their heels in and they, they get through the fire and they, and they move on. And I think that that was really demonstrated, uh, a month after Jamal Khashoggi, they Absolutely. went through with the show and they faced scrutiny. They faced a stock drop and they got through it. They got paid for it and, they have gone back, and the criticism has been less and less every time that they've gone. And now we're seeing uh, pretty much uh, golf going through this exact same thing, and it is amazing to hear the commentary that is verbatim uh, what we have been talking about over the last number of years. These same questions, and and at the end of it, you have golfers that are going through with this, and they're going to withstand the storm and ultimately get paid. Yeah. I mean, everything that I've learned about Vince McMahon and the way he deals with public relations problems is that he just tries to ride it out. And uh, like you mentioned, that that basically worked in the case of the controversy after the Jamal Khashoggi murder by Saudi agents. Uh, they went forward and they had uh, their, their Saudi events, even though there were reports and rumors that maybe they were going to relocate it. That never happened. Um, and they, they just, you know, sort of waited out and ride it out. And uh, it's uh, it's not so much about moral principles. Uh, Chris, Chris Ely writes, Hey, John and Brandon, how comparable is Vince McMahon's situation to Donald Sterling's scandal, uh, with the Clippers? Um, I'll answer this one first. I would say with the Donald Sterling situation, I mean, there was a smoking gun in terms of the audio, um, that made its way public that there was, um, I didn't think there was, there was any way around it, um, in, in terms of, uh, that scandal. In this one, I, I, I view this one differently, not to say that, um, there, there couldn't be an, an outcome. Uh, where and, and Sterling was was the owner who was caught on 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 tape using racial slurs. Yes, yeah, some pretty okay. horrific uh, comments uh, made by him, and that was one where I would I would almost compare that to the the Hulk Hogan story, where it was just the evidence was just so damning that there was uh, no way to come back from that. In this one, it's um, 
I, again, it's going to come down to the board's findings. Um, but it is not like we have some, you know, a, a video of misconduct being, uh, shown that would be a, a different case. I, I don't view them as similar, although outcomes, it's, it, it's hard to say at this point if they're, if they couldn't resemble one another. I was trying to rack my brain this morning for examples of like, has there been a CEO who had control of, of their company in this way, who came under fire and then resigned? And when one case that came to mind was Travis Kalnick from Uber, uh, mm-hmm. who, you know, he allegedly, he, he, he oversaw a lot of sexual harassment and discrimination and he knew about it and protected people. Uh, he, he's a founder of Uber. He had preferred class shares, but probably through funding, he held such a low number of preferred class shares at that point that he did not control the majority of the votes. And he did resign. Uh, I, I don't know the details of that story. People can certainly look it up um, and read more about it. But that, but that is not a perfect case. You know, Vince has the majority of the control of WWE. I think you took this question on your show on Wednesday night, but Jake is asking about just the, the, the idea of Vince McMahon ever taking this company back private. I would seem like that is uh, not any kind of likelihood of happening at this point and probably not a conclusion that we are going to see here. So why, why do companies that are public go private? Because they don't want to have to uh, deliver on, on shareholder interests, I guess. I don't believe that Vince has enough cash to make that happen on his own. Uh, that would be like more than $3 billion in cash. Uh, he's got more probably, I don't know, something like more than $2 billion of net worth perhaps, but that's not cash. That's largely W stock, which is a pile of stock that he would need to add to in, in order to take it private. So he would have to find investors who want to cooperate with him for, for what gain? Uh, if, if it's not to make money and to gain market value on, on the asset that you own, uh, if it's just to sort of protect Vince, Vince's activities, I don't know what the incentive would be. Yeah, I, I think that there yeah, many different directions you, you can take this. I, I can certainly say that just based on the available information that we have, one thing that is, is very clear to me is just the level of just reckless that this was to engage in a relationship with with a with a subordinate in your company. And you can label it consensual, but I think it certainly does bring into question like this obvious power dynamic that exists here of Vince McMahon over anyone that is working in his company. And there are a reason that companies uh, forbid this type of thing. Um, so at, at the very least, like this is reckless behavior that he engaged in by entering a quote unquote consensual relationship with an employee. And it sounds like this is not the only time that that happened. According no. to the wall street journal. article. Yes. Um, someone bringing up the CEO of Papa John's being uh, comparable. I'm not uh, super familiar with, um, with, with that particular, uh, I, th- I think similar in terms of uh, racial slurs and that part I knew, down. but not in terms yeah. of uh, the, like the ownership situation, but yeah, uh, yeah, potentially as well. All right. Um, a lot of people here uh, thro- throwing in different questions, uh, but we are going to wind things down. If you want to uh, listen to more, uh, Brandon and Chris Gullo put up a bonus show on Wednesday night on the WrestleNomics YouTube and Patreon that you can go check out. And uh, do you think you will have enough to talk about this coming Sunday on WrestleNomics? 
Oh, I'm sure. Because, I mean, for, for one thing, like, honestly, I'm, I'm trying to learn more about this. I'm, I'm going to talk to a few more people who may be able to enlighten and inform my uh, analysis of this. So, for sure, we'll have more to talk about uh, on Sunday. Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, we stream it live on YouTube. And then, of course, you can find the audio on your podcast app, WrestleOmics Radio. Yes. And again, Waiting will be back today at 3 Eastern, uh, chatting about Out in the Ring, um, the uh, documentary. And he'll be joined by several guests, including uh, Jordan Goodman, his co-host, uh, Neil Flanagan, and the director of the film. So that's coming up later today. MCU later tonight. And we were scheduled to be joined by author Stephen Bell today. He has written the new book on the British Bulldogs. He'll be coming up on Monday um, after this uh, news drop. So you can look out for that. And of course, uh, you can check out WrestleNomics Radio every Sunday on their feed, as well as here at postwrestling.com. We'll have the latest on this story up at postwrestling.com. And thanks to everybody uh, for tuning in. That will conclude your post-daily news show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.